This episode of Grow Getters is brought to you by Grow Getters Club, a high-touch mastermind helping smart women incubate and grow their business ideas, side hustles, and passion projects together. Join the waitlist at growgetters.io forward slash club for our next intake. Welcome to Grow Getters, the future skills podcast. If you want to future-proof yourself, turn your hobby into a profitable side hustle and create a thriving, multi-passionate career, then you're in the right place. Each week, we keep you up to speed with all the hottest and most in-demand methods, models, tools, and trends in business and tech to help you stay ahead of the game and grow. I'm GrowGetters co-founder and innovation specialist, Tiffany Hart. And I'm GrowGetters co-founder and digital strategist, Tanya Garma. So if you're ready to stay relevant, in your element, and be excellent, Follow the Grow Getters podcast for your weekly fix of future skills. Now, let's get growing. What exactly is the future of the internet? And what does Web3 mean? And most importantly, what does it mean for business owners and consumers? In this Grow Getters episode, we chat with New York-based tech expert and entrepreneur, Teddy Pajoski all about Web3 and how we can begin to harness it for success. Teddy is a self-taught software engineer turned entrepreneur. He has co-founded and created a curriculum for a coding academy, built and grew an app to 20 million installs worldwide, and created the first URL shortening service back in 2008. Currently, he's the founder and CEO of Enzyme, an AI platform that turns words into websites in seconds. So if you are ready to step into the world of Web3, then enjoy the episode and let's get started. Welcome, Teddy, to the Grow Getters podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thanks, Tanya. Thanks for having me. So you are here to inform us and educate us on everything to do with Web3, not everything, but the things that we, we need to know. So just to start up, I'm going to throw you a big, big question. What the heck is Web3? If no one has heard the term, how would you describe it? Yeah, I think that's the question that everyone is trying to answer these days. What the heck is Web3? And I don't think there's clear definition of what really Web3 is, but there are certainly some kind of guidelines on how should people think about Web3 in general. And for me, the best way to explain this is to look at the kind of the, how the internet evolved over the years. And this is really common that you can also read on websites, but basically... The first version of the internet in early 90s, late 90s, was mostly read-only internet where you just consume information. There's one central mainframe, one central server where you don't really know where it is, but you have this expensive internet connection, super slow, and then you just get to read some stuff, mainly scientific stuff and then other, other things later on. But it was really read-only internet, centralized, fully centralized. People didn't expect it for this to grow and be like, the size it is today. And then moving from Web 1 to Web 2, I think that was when we were introduced to early social networks, social interactions where you have multiple servers. So now the ownership slightly transferred to individuals, to companies. And with that, we became the product. We as users became the product of that internet. So while the first version was read-only, now we can consume, but also we can interact with this other type of internet. And that is Web 2. What Web3 brings on the table 
is more of a decentralized internet. And we heard that word a lot, decentralization. What that means is that the ownership was in the companies. In the Web3 world, the ownership is going to the user. So we kind of own the infrastructure first, the blockchains, and then we also own our own data depending on how certain things are implemented. So it's decentralization, it's ownership of data. You are not the product at this case. While Web2 was more about advertising, Web3 will be more about figuring new business models. So now I'm not sure if that really explains what Web3 is, but this is how people can think about it because yeah, there's not like a definition on that. No, that's a good way to describe it. I've also heard it described as Web2, which is kind of the phase we're in right now, is the read and write web. And Web3 is the read, write and own web. So what would you say about that? How does the own come into it? Yeah, that's definitely the case. So Web1, read only, Web2, read, write, Web3, read, write and own. I think that that goes back to the blockchain, the technology that allows us to own now these digital identities that we created. So when you look at the social networks, there are a bunch of companies that are owning your data and you're voluntarily basically giving them your data. While in Web3, there's no company, it's just the chain, it's public data. So you decide what you're going to share there. And then you have control through your wallets, for example, to control what kind of data you share, what kind of things you own. And when you own them, you literally have them in your wallet, for example. And I'm sure we'll talk about NFTs, but that's like the really basic example of digital ownership that's becoming really popular lately. So what does that mean for the social media platforms that we're using today, like Instagram, which is owned by Meta, or TikTok, which is owned by Dance? I was going to say Bitcoin, no, ByteDance. Yeah. What's going to happen with these platforms then? Uh, I think at first they were really pushing back on this whole idea of like blockchain and until maybe 2017, 18, and then some of them started really taking this seriously after the ICO phase where... A lot of new Web3 crypto companies came out at that time. But I think just because these big companies now are into Web3 through different initiatives. I know Facebook or Meta, was they were trying to launch their own currency, I think. I'm not sure, but I think they've been doing a lot of things in the space, trying to get into it, which is super hard because now the thinking of the mindset of the people that are in the Web3 is way different than what we were taught in, in Web2. So I think they're fighting for attention. They're fighting for community. They're fighting for need for these new business models, trying to figure out how they can utilize this and ride this wave. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but I'm sure they will, we'll see some great kind of products that are coming from this experienced product people from the Web2 age going to Web3. In what form? I'm not sure. One of the things that I'm kind of excited about is that the change of this advertising model previously, because I used to run an app with like ads and it was super, super hard. We got blocked by Google at one point with like a decent amount of money in the account. So I think this new Web3 will unlock other possibilities for others, but also these older companies to kind of change how they, they operate. Cool. So can you then literally own your audience and your content in Web3? Is that the biggest, one of the biggest differences between, say, I have a big community that I've built and cultivated on Instagram, for example, but ultimately that audience is still at the mercy to the algorithm, it's at the mercy to the company. How does that differ in the Web3 world? Yeah, community is the word that we kept hearing in the Web3 space, and I think it plays really key role and new companies 
older companies that are trying to get into Web3 should think more seriously about community. In terms of ownership, I'm not sure if you really need to think about it as you own your community, but it's more like you have people that are contributing towards whatever you're building. So this also kind of opens up the question of decentralized organizations and how we organize ourselves and, and, and all those things. But I think the community is more like contributors, people that love what you do, people that are what used to be a customer. So I don't know, like I'm buying this, uh, I don't know, the Kindle here on my table. And now suddenly I'm a consumer of Kindle, of, of Amazon, but now I also own part of Amazon and I really own it. It's not like a true, true stock exchange or anything like that. So I think the perception of community will change and what you own there and how you own it. It's not really, really ownership. It's more like close collaboration with the people that are in line with your mission. Mm -hmm. And that also, one of the other aspects I'm, I'm excited about is the future of work, because up until now, we used to really kind of work for companies, but with this community and, and, and distributed ownership, you contribute to a mission and you can actually work for multiple entities in the same time. And, you know, just because you care about these two different, three different missions and, and aspects of something, you can be part of it and actually own it. That's very exciting. I've heard about the term, the token economy, and this is probably when NFTs maybe come in, but can you, can you tell us a bit about what that means? What is the token economy? The simplest way to explain it, at least in my mind, I compare it to like gamification and how you incentivize people for the actions they did. So it's not like forcing them to do actions, but if they're contributing towards this, this community driven mission, they can then get paid or compensated in some sort of tokens and coming up with this like formulas and how to incentivize them and on what and how long can what they can get in return in is essentially tokenomics and figuring that part out, the total supply of the tokens that you're going to launch, how they're going to be obtained, how they're going to be saved, stored, all that. It's part of the tokenomics. So again, more technical thing, but I would compare it to like gamification, really, just like how you incentivize people to do certain actions or, or the actions they did. Wow. Okay. That's a lot to take in, but I love that term tokenomics. <laughs> I'll include some further links in the show notes so we can read up a bit more about that. Yeah. Now, we touched on NFTs. Well, very briefly, but maybe can you unpack for us what are NFTs and how can businesses or creators start leveraging NFTs to create revenue or, you know, create multiple income streams in their businesses? Yeah, NFTs, uh, I think, are part of the Web3 spectrum that helped grow the whole concept of Web3 and people that were into crypto. Previously, it was people getting into the cryptocurrencies only, then it somehow fixed, uh, shifted to decentralized finance and now NFT. So it's another wave of that Web3 spectrum. The story that I like about NFTs is that it allows artists now to become, to earn actually, because if you look at what they were on the mercy of these third-party platforms where they would get little cut from the whole deal, be it music artists or like whatever painters. They didn't even have the possibility to sell online. It, it was totally hard, super hard for them. And I love this because initially in Web3 and crypto, there were these geeks as programmers who would just sit and build things. And then they are the people who kind of got rich when this became popular. And then suddenly it shifted towards decentralized finance and people from finance came in. NFTs allowed for these artists to, to also have the ability to earn as they deserve, as they should. And basically, it's just redistribution of wealth, really. So I think 
the concept of NFTs, simple digital ownership, again, digital art in this case, but it doesn't have to be pictures. It can be music, but also it can be anything because it's stored on the chain. It's a piece of information that there is somewhere association that you actually own that piece. So that unlocks a lot of possibilities for businesses, for individuals, for, for creatives, for incentivizing your community tokenomics, the things we, we talked about. And there are different ways how you can kind of monetize, at least at this point, and I'm sure there will be even more and we can dive into some like specifics. It's not just for artists now. Now there's more and more applications for using and applying or using NFTs or creating NFTs to derive further income or revenue in your business. Oh yeah, yeah. So it started with like profile pictures, the Bortebia Club and others that we saw before. CryptoKitties was actually one of the, the first examples in 2017-18. It was game actually, and then it became art. Then music, I think this year we are seeing, I'm seeing a lot of interesting NFT projects related to musicians, royalty splitting, which is pretty, pretty exciting. So then there are other examples like ticketing, for example. It's not connected to art, but then just you own that ticket. It's again, digital ownership. There are examples of token-gated communities where you have certain access to something just because you own this, this piece of digital real estate. There's digital real estate. There's the metaverse. There's land in the metaverse where you own certain coordinates in somewhere like virtually and you access them through your NFT or through your ownership of the NFT. Because the NFT is not something that you physically own, right? It's on the blockchain and the blockchain, it says this address, this wallet owns this piece of information. That, that's the NFT basically. So from there, you can, this very simple concept, you can build a lot of complexity on top of it and different directions. Speaking of the metaverse, what role does the metaverse play in Web3 or is the Web3 the metaverse? I'm asking a simple question because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking it, but I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, all these new terms are confusing. You know, there's not like a clear differentiation between that one thing as we discussed initially and the metaverse is something else. For me, the metaverse is something built on top of Web3 in terms of Metaverse is the experiences that you get when you're into Web3, because Web3, again, is this, I mean, we talked about web trees, but if you look at blockchains and the, how information is stored there, it's just basically some number, some text written somewhere. So now, again, on top of this thing, you can build immersive experiences, you can include audio, you can include this ownership, galleries, virtual worlds, events, and whatnot. So that's the Metaverse, the concept, the abstract built on top of the Web3, the blockchain, I would say. And blockchain is what powers Web3. Blockchain is what powers Web3, the idea behind decentralized nodes, contributing to this ledger, writing information, consensus, proof of work, proof of stake, all that is kind of the core principles behind all this. So when it comes to Web3, there are obvious risks maybe associated, especially when people think of, you know, cryptocurrency, opening a crypto wallet. Maybe even there's even been some NFT scams. So can you give some insights around security and how people can make sure they don't fall for any scammy projects and how they can protect their wallets? Yeah, that's a really important aspect of what's going on right now because at this stage, Web3 is in this wild, wild west phase where everyone can be tricked and there are a lot of bad actors and we've seen a lot of hacks from kind of well-intended 
in the first look marketplaces or individuals, and then it turns out it was total Ponzi scheme. So there are a lot of these things out there. And education, it's, it's a big part. So right now there are tons of articles, although hard to read for someone. You need to spend really a lot of time to actually understand what's going on in order to be secure on the internet. But again, on the internet. So it's on the internet. The same principles apply there. You shouldn't and back to like the physical world, you shouldn't trust like any random stranger that texts you on Discord and you just gave them your 12 word phrase. So these are kind of common sense things, but then there are also sophisticated ways of tricking people. Recently, we saw a hack on the Solana blockchain where someone stole like $8 million because somewhere in like another wallet, they were keeping their passwords in plain text, which is pretty bad practice for like programmers to do. Somewhat sophisticated, not really sophisticated, but you know, People are naive, but people are also greedy. So that's kind of works in a favor of, of these bad actors. The way to protect is to just don't share. If something is, you know, like if you are not sure if this is valuable information that you need to share, just don't share it. You know, you don't have to give your passwords, your words, nothing like don't send screenshots. There are different ways how people can obtain, how hackers can obtain information. Cold storage is one of the other things that people do, which is, Basically, you have your private key. So private keys, your access to your digital wallet. And it's typically stored if you're using one of the exchanges, they actually own that private key. Then you can have it on your local, for example, MetaMask wallet where it's stored on kind of your local machine. And ideally, you would like to transfer that or create a new one on a physical piece of hardware where you store your key. So it's not really connected to the internet and then it's not exposed. So no one can really obtain that information. So there are different ways how to protect, but I would say the most basic principles that we talked about in real life, just don't share information with strangers and yeah, you'll be fine. Sounds good. If I put myself in the shoes and I am this person as well, if you are a solopreneur or you are a small business owner and you have your community on Instagram, maybe you've built a community on TikTok, maybe you have an email list, and this is where you're predominantly doing most of your business's marketing. How can you get started into, into this Web3, into this Web3 world? Like what are the very first things you can do? Because you mentioned how community, it almost feels like Web3 isn't just technology, but it's also a bit of a mindset shift. It's a mindset shift to decentralization, to collaboration, co-creation, which all sound amazing. And what are some practical first steps to just get your, dipping your toe into these waters? I think at this point, it comes down again to education, to understanding a little bit of the technology, because it's still super early. And the way we interact with Web3, with blockchains, with exchanges is super complicated, even for technical people. So if you have your MetaMask wallet and you need to, I don't know, add another one or change to a different network than Ethereum, there are a lot of complex things. and there are companies trying to solve these problems right now, but I think you need to spend a decent amount of time educating yourself on the topic. There are, again, articles on the internet, but if you run a business, it's in your best interest to do that. So yeah, basically education first and then NFTs, I think, are the kind of way to get into the whole space. Try to understand people's behavior in terms of what they're buying, why they're buying it, who are the players in the space. Where the good projects, what differentiate, what's the difference between bad project and good project? Then from like the community building aspect, how do you communicate with your audience? If it's on TikTok, is it easy enough 
to talk to them? Is it easy enough to engage with them and to make them feel like they're contributing toward that? Or maybe you need a Discord. Discord is a tool that people typically use in the space. Telegram groups, Twitter is playing a big role there also. So just make sure you have the community in a place where you can actually interact. And then give them something to kind of empower them with some decisions. Make them decide what you're going to, I don't know, your TikTok influencer. You have plans for different videos. Make them decide what's going to be next through some like voting, digital voting. Give them NFTs. Doesn't have to be big PFP project with 10,000 NFTs to, to make quick buck, but, you know, just something well thought that's going to bring value on, on the long run. So really just community NFTs would be kind of the, the starting point to get into that trend. Then you can think about token gating your content, allowing people to read articles based on ownership or whatever sharing royalties potentially of some of your maybe income. Can you just expand on token gating your content and what that kind of looks like? Token gating is, again, so we have a lot of these terms in Web3 that if you look at them, they're pretty simple in essence. Token gating is just like you have a website and it's not public to people, only certain people with certain password can access them. Now, instead of password, you sign with your wallet and then we see that there's this NFT and then you can just access the content. So that's like the simple way. But then just because it's NFTs, you can kind of program this in different creative ways or different different mechanics to incentivize people further. Sounds cool. Okay. And just as a final wrap-up question, your business enzyme is right in the thick of Web3. Can you tell us a bit about what you're doing and how you're really kind of leveraging this new world and these new technologies? Yeah, I've been always in this kind of, this front of new technologies. Back in the mobile days, 2010, we launched this app, crack your screen, you shake your phone, you got like a fake crack screen. We grew it to 20 million users. Then my graduation like thesis was in VR. So I'm trying to be on top of these new technologies, AI also, GPT-3, whatnot. With Enzyme right now, what we're building is, again, Web3 is super hard, super complicated for especially, it is for technical people, but as well as for non-technical. And then when it comes to consuming stuff, there are marketplaces, there are things that you can learn from, do certain actions. But if you want to build in Web3, if you want to create your own NFT in terms of smart contracts, in terms of different interactions, token gating, all these things, you need a developer. And developers are super expensive right now because it's a really rare gem to find crypto developer. And we decided to build this tool, given my experience in building no-code tools, to actually make this process super, super simple. So right now with Enzyme, you can build a smart contract. You don't need any code. You just explain what the contract needs to be. There's marketplace of contracts, essentially, that you can choose from. So say you want to build a collection of 100 NFTs for your community. You just hit create. It's deployed on the network, and then you just use it. We give you a little website where people can go and see your NFT minted from there, just obtaining basically the NFT. So it's a pretty, pretty simple tool, but solves a big problem when it comes to creation of smart contracts and management. So these smart contracts are predominantly for people creating NFTs. Is that the biggest use? Yeah. So smart contracts are really the, it's, it's a piece of code that runs on the blockchain and has some logic tied to it. And NFTs are essentially smart contracts in background. That So this association of wallet owns this amount of data or this piece of data is actually 
defined by smart contracts set of rules written there. So in order to like, so we don't want to bother people with this technical stuff. So we give them nice interface where they can just like write text, fill in a form, and then you don't really have to know what's the, like the underlying layer. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we've got a link to that in the show notes. And thank you again, Teddy, for your time today and helping us unpack Web3. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hope it wasn't too technical. I'm happy to answer, you know, any questions if you, I don't know if you're going to share my like information, but yeah, hopefully it was helpful. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Grow Getters. If you love the podcast, then we know you'll love the club. Introducing Grow Getters Club, the intimate mastermind for global grow getting women like you that holds you accountable, attracts your kind of people and cuts through the clutter so you can get crystal clear on your zone of genius, whatever that might be. No matter what stage of your business journey, our community of brilliant, like-minded women are all working together towards the same goal, clarity for their one big thing. Grogetters Club is a perfect blend of everything you need to launch your side hustle or scale your business in no time. You'll get exclusive access to expert-led masterclasses and events covering the hottest future skills topics so you stay on top of your game. You'll tap into the brains of a cohort of incredibly talented and diverse women you can collaborate with via regular co-working and peer-to-peer skill exchange sessions. Our live roundtable workshops will help you working on your biz in real time using mirror boards to track your progress and the accountability of an intimate group will keep you on track to achieve your wildest dreams. Best of all, you'll be part of a growing movement of women who are taking active steps to future-proof themselves and encourage each other to thrive. So come and join the waitlist for Grow Getters Club at growgetters.io forward slash club. Our next intake is coming soon, so make sure you sign up today. <laughs>